The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. One of the biggest surprises of going vegan, I think, maybe how energized you get. Some of it's all that healthy food, but a lot of it is the inspiration. People in our community are taking brave and kind steps, often not noted in the media, social or otherwise. They're changing this world for the better. And that makes me feel like somebody put a shot of espresso in my chai. Hi, I'm Victoria Moran, your host for the Main Street Vegan program. You can learn more about what I do at MainStreetVegan.net. And that's also where you'll find the show notes that will give you additional details about today's guests. The Main Street Vegan blog this week is five ways to stay optimistic as a new vegan. That's from Mariana Prince, who lives in the British West Indies. She is a Main Street Vegan certified lifestyle coach with a lot of wonderful, positive ideas for keeping yourself happy and upbeat and, like we were saying, energized as you go forward in your vegan life. My guests today, two young men who know food. So after the break, we'll speak with Matt Korski of the Green Street Food Truck on Long Island. And right now, we'll be meeting Max Lamana, although you have already met if you are an internet person who has any interest in food, vegan food in particular. Max is a zero-waste vegan chef, a sustainability advocate, and a brand new author. His first cookbook is coming out, More Plants, Less Waste. Max's awareness and education around food waste and plastic pollution has been featured in BuzzFeed Food, Now This News, Eco Age, even Vogue. He comes from a restaurant family, so there's food in his blood and now vegan food. Welcome, Max Lamana. Hey, Victoria. Great to be here. It's wonderful to talk with you, and you are speaking to us from my favorite place on earth, London. So uh, thanks for doing a little bit of evening duty to make it to our live show today. So give us just a little bit of background. How did you get from American boy to a famous zero waste vegan chef? Oh, wow. Uh, you know, it's, this, is a, this is an 
something I thought I would be doing, you know, maybe two years ago. Um, I, I grew up in food. My father was a chef running around in my father's kitchen and playing around at home in the kitchen. And we had a garden in our backyard and we were surrounded by food all the time, my siblings and I. And my father taught me at a young age that if I want to be big and strong like my father, all I need to do is eat good food and take care of my body. Um, so at that point in that age, I, I just thought, okay, my father's going to feed me good food and I, I need to do the rest. I need to play sports. I need to be active. Uh, you know, years pass. And when I was about 22 years old, um, I came across veganism and started cooking more vegan food, started questioning myself and questioning my ethics and my values and why am I doing this and what can I do f for myself and how can I better that? And um, little by little, I started questioning more about the sustainability of, of where do things go? Where does that plastic bag end up and what happens to that bottle and uh, food waste and I started doing my research and little by little, I just started applying it and sharing it with the world. Well, thank you for doing that because you're reaching so many people. So I've always asked guests for some questions they'd really like to be asked. And you asked two here that absolutely fascinate me. The very first one is, what is your morning routine? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's something, you know, uh, it's something that, I think catches people's interest. Um, and I think everyone has a morning routine, whether they know it or not, maybe it's, uh, conscious or subconscious, but my morning routine is something that I've been working on, uh, and honing in on the last three or four or five years now. Um, and basically I wake up with the sun. I, I don't use an alarm clock anymore. Uh, I keep my curtains open and I, I rise with the sun. So that can fluctuate and change uh, during the seasons. Um, I wake up in the morning. I take a cold shower to wake my body up. Uh, I drink a hot cup of water. I meditate for 20 minutes. And then I do about uh, – I either go to a yoga class or I spend about uh, you know 20 minutes of doing some light stretching and movement and, and breathing exercises just to get my body going. Um, but it all starts, all that starts uh, the night before when I turn my phone off. I turn my phone off, I shut my laptop off at least an hour to two hours before I go to bed so I can just turn off my screens, calm my body down, calm my mind down, and get ready for the evening and, and the next morning. That is so brave because I know of you as a very prominent internet personality. So... <laughs> Expecting people to have their phones available is important to you professionally, and yet you also see the importance of not having that around. You've got something else going on that you call Offline 48. What's that? That's correct. Offline 48 was inspired uh, by my partner and I, Venetia Faulkner. Uh, her and I, we started turning our phones off on the weekends um, and we started realizing, oh, we've had our phones off for, you know, 48 hours. We noticed we've had it off for longer. Uh, you know, we would time and see how long we had our phones off. It, it became a little challenge for, for ourselves. Uh, and we started turning our phones off back uh, last year around Christmas time. We turned our phones off and our laptops off for 10 days. 
just to get connected, get back to connected to nature, get connected to ourselves and, and have conversations that are, are uh, you know, in the moment and present uh, because, you know, maybe we have our phones in our hands when we're listening to someone speak or when we're eating food and our phones are in our hands. So let's turn off our phones. Let's get back to the simplicity of life. Um, and I think that's where inspiration uh, comes from. But um, f- Offline 48 is a two-day challenge. You turn your phones off uh, the night before on Saturday and leave them off until Monday morning. So the fear, I think, is there will be 8,000 emails and I'll never dig myself out. <laughs> yes, that, I mean, that does happen. But, you know, you, you'll, you eventually... You know, it's been now two months now or so that I've I've been uh, practicing the offline forty eight myself. Uh, and the first couple of weeks, it was terrifying because I'd come back on Monday and I have all these emails, but they're not going anywhere. And people aren't gonna, you know, isn't it? It's not a do or die situation. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll get you'll get to those emails and maybe you'll be a little bit more present and grounded when you do answer those emails yeah. uh, instead of being like, Oh, got to get this off. Got to send it away. Got to wait until they get that, you know, that uh, back and forth uh, email chain. Uh, that's, that starts when you start writing back to people that back mm. and forth when you could just like, all right, slow down, take your time and live this- life presently. This seems connected to the zero waste lifestyle. What's the connection that you see? The connection I see, I mean, there's, there's, so, there's so much that's connected. Uh, less is more, right? Um, I, I want, you know, when I got into the zero waste movement and, and the lifestyle, I started looking at where everything is going and what does that equal? How much landmass does food create and how much water usage is created for you know, growing coffee or chocolate or, you know, peas or potatoes, the amount of energy that is created by your phone is so wasteful from us charging our phones to us just having our phones turned on. There's so much waste that is involved there. So it it was just another area of my life that I looked at and thought, okay, where is this all going? And where's this waste being created? Can I create less waste in this world? To make my life more, I guess, uh, more val- more to bring more value into my life and create less waste in doing so. So, how do we do it? How do we create less waste? Well, first, I think it starts with saying no, saying no to the things. And I think there's so much power when you do get to say no. Uh, I think we live in a world where uh, if things are handed to us, we say yes. Um, having the job that I have and and the work that I do, I'm often bombarded with emails and messages saying, you know, here's a t-shirt and here's shoes and here's, here's my reusable bags and, and, and products and gifts. And I love when I say no, (laughs) it gives me power to, it gives me power and energy to say no. So less is more. And we can start by saying no. Um, I think that's the first and foremost, um, place where we can start yeah so what are the most important things that we need to be saying no to if if we're just living your conventional american life and all this is very new we're just looking at maybe changing the diet 
is plastic the next thing? It's that's it's a that's a great place to start. Um, I, I I think we all have to look at our lives and say, okay, where what can I do right now that that's going to create the biggest amount of change, right? But to get to that point, it has to be a slow and steady approach. And that's, I think that's my messaging, uh, is working slowly and steadily. Um, we can aim for the, the biggest goal right now and create the less waste. And that's what we eat. And that's what we change. Climate change is on our plates. And, you know, I, I'm so amazed that you've, you've been in this, you know, vegan movement for years. Um, and you're, you're, I guess as, uh, you're the OG, I guess, as they would, they would say it, these young kids would say it these days, the OG of the, the vegan movement. Um, but I think start with plastic, uh, create an audit in your home right now and look at what plastic you have, go in your kitchen, look and see what plastic you already have. Maybe, uh, it's packaged food. Maybe it's, uh, things in your refrigerator that is plastic things that you buy on a, on a day-to-day basis, on a weekly basis, keep an audit of that and then look and see what you can change and what you can create. Uh, can you have the alternative of that? Maybe if you're buying plastic water bottles, maybe you can invest and buy a reusable water bottle. Maybe it's the plastic bags that you're keeping stored away from the shopping that you do on a weekly basis. Maybe you can change that and have an alternative like a reusable tote bag. Um, so these small changes when you do them consciously, you start to, um, you start to evolve the, the, the mentality of where is everything going and where, what can I do to change? Uh, and I think more and more, uh, tends to happen after that. So tell us, Max, as a chef, what is your kitchen like in these ways? What do you wrap up leftovers in? How does it work in a really practical way? Great. Um, so when I do, I, it, it involves planning. And so uh, I have jars, I have glass jars, I have reusable containers that I've had for, for years. And there's some containers that I bought uh, recently, some uh, stainless steel containers. Uh, and then there's also some vegan um, wraps that uh, are similar to like a uh, um, like a, like a plastic wrap, but it's reusable. Um, and I can use that for up to a year. I, and then, it, then it buy, then it becomes compulsible afterwards, which is great. This, I forgot the brand. Um, but how I shop is in bulk shopping. I look for food that is in its own packaging. Um, sometimes I go to a store and I see bananas wrapped in plastic and then right next to it is bananas that are just naturally bananas without the plastic. Why would you go for the plastic? It's not going to make any. It's not going to. It's not going to make a difference towards uh, the life expectancy, the the shelf life of that fruit uh, at home. Um, so I shop in bulk, and when I wrap food up, my leafy greens. I wrap my leafy greens. I wash them first when I get them home, and then I wrap them in a towel. I wrap them in a uh, a reusable kitchen towel, a cloth towel. Wrap them up, and then put them back in the fridge. The refrigerator is a very dry, cold, and dark place, places where we don't want to ever go. Um, so when food is in there, it just sucks the life out of them. So um, buy less um, because we tend to overbuy. We, in America, we, we love 
buying food and we love having uh, quantities of that. And I think that's partly due to the the food industry in our supermarkets, but that's a whole nother story. Um, so let's buy, buy, buy less. So you're ending up wasting less and cook what you actually have and save your leftovers and freeze, you know, maybe it's a loaf of bread, cut that loaf of bread in half, freeze half of it. Now eat the half. And if you want to go back on, uh, defrost the other half of loaf of bread. This is all fascinating to me because I do remember when people lived more like this and it was my very, very early childhood. So there was no plastic wrap. I remember when they invented baggies, but before that your lunch sandwich was wrapped in wax paper Mm. and you took a thermos. I mean, the idea that you would pay for water would just be like, who is (laughs) stupid enough to pay for water? And when I was living in London, where I know you are now, uh, this was the late 1960s, and it was very common there to not have a refrigerator. So you just went to the various shops and got the food for the day. And then the next day you did it again. So it's not such a stretch, but it's really easy to get used to all of this hyper packaged way of living. It's We're not reinventing the wheel. This is this is things that you were doing when you were a kid growing up, you know, and, 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 and generations before that. So this is, this is not new. This is what we need to get back to doing uh, and creating less waste. Cool. So beyond the waste part of it, what's your food philosophy? My food philosophy? Um, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I think someone who's devoting his life to food must have a way of relating to what we eat that people who are just going through a drive-through or just picking up frozen dinners right. in a supermarket don't have. Right. My food philosophy, that's, that's great. I love that. Um, my food philosophy is simple. Cook food, cook real food, and that's it. Cook food and cook real food. Um, I think we, we're living in a world where we can easily go to a supermarket. We live in this convenience age where we can go to a supermarket and buy the prepackaged, you know, food. And all you need to do is microwave it. Uh, we live with the fast. Every corner has a drive through and you can have food that's ready and prepared. This isn't food. Um, I think we need to get back to eating simple, simple ingredients, simple produce, fruits and vegetables and cook and eat real food. So how do people add more plants for anybody who's listening, who's <laughs> not on this team yet, but <laughs> looking at it, what, where do they start? Look at what you can do right now, right? So what can, what can you do? What, what fruits and vegetables do you like? Explore, have uh, challenges with your friends and family. Look at different vegetables or or fruits each and every single week. Go to the supermarket and see. Have you eaten you know an eggplant yet? Have you ever tried a courgette? Sorry, or a, a zucchini? Have you tried a cauliflower? Look at the look at all this food and look and see what you can do uh, with it at home. Explore, experiment. I shock myself sometimes when I'm in the kitchen cooking because. I didn't know I can do this with this. I didn't know if I if I played around and I if I you know boiled a cauliflower, I blended it up and I added a few ingredients into it. I can make a soup out of it, 
or you know now in this you know this less waste world uh, uh the lifestyle that i'm living i can make cheese from the oat pulp from making oat milk um so it's it's all it's all an exploration be in the kitchen because this is fuel for your body if you're present and you put in love and intention to the food that you're creating, you're putting that right back into your body. Wow. The book is More Plants, Less Waste. That will come out in August of 2019. Do you have that oat cheese recipe in there? I do. <laughs> well, that sounds worth the, the cost of a book. So how is it being a young man out in the world, making a name for yourself, do you feel that the millennials and the Gen Z people are really taking to this naturally, or is it still kind of a push to get people to come over to this way of seeing things? There's, there's no push. There's no push whatsoever. I think people ask me on a day-to-day -day basis, like, what can I do to change? Or uh, people saying, you're not going to change me. I, I'm not going to change. And I'm not asking anyone to, ch I'm not asking you to change. You need to actually change yourself. Like you need to do that. I can show you what I do and, and then you need to apply that to yourself. But I think there is this warm welcoming, this, um, this, uh, this, this revolution that's happening right now in the world. Like Greta, who's, you know, taking the, the, the world by storm with her her climate push for climate emergency and climate change and you know the more and more we get this into to this mainstream media and, and people are taking taking you know they become aware of this this is just opening up the door for veganism for people to create less waste at home in their everyday life you know this is this is our only planet this is our one planet this is our one earth um and if we're treating it and we're damaging the only place that we call home, then we're damaging ourselves. It's not, you know, it's not the polar bears that are, you know, losing ice uh, and they're losing their homes and them and they're becoming endangered. We're also becoming endangered. We're not just doing this to those animals. We're also doing it to ourselves too. Um, and I think once we start to open up those thoughts and those ideas of change, uh, we can really make a bigger impact. That's so cool. What about your dad in the restaurant business? What does he think about what you're doing? You know what? It's <laughs> I love that. I'm I'm 30 years old and people are still asking me if my parents uh, approve of this or they're they're happy for me. I'm like I'm 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 an adult now and my parents are right there. They're right along the side of me. They love this. Um, my father. I mean, my father remembers the moment where he told me, you know, eat well and take care of your body. Um, so my, my, my parents fully support me and they're really happy, um, that, you know, this is creating such a, a an impact in the world. Um, love my parents. Oh, that's so yeah. sweet. So a lot of our listeners, Max, are in vegan businesses or they want to be in vegan businesses. They're online and they want to have more of a reach there. What kind of advice would you give to people who want to do more and get their message out into the world. Hmm. How, how to be successful online, I guess, is the question. How to be successful online. Be authentic. Be true. Be transparent. Let your, let your, uh, your audience know. Let, let your, your customers know what you're doing. 
on a weekly basis, maybe on a monthly basis, maybe every quarter you're letting them know what changes you're making, what you've applied. Um, I think what's important is numbers. Look at what you're saving uh, in water. Maybe maybe you're not an entirely vegan restaurant. Maybe you can, or you are, and share and show how much water you're using for you know uh, tomatoes, and you show how much water. What I basically what I'm saying is the the food footprint, the carbon footprint of your food. I think when you become transparent, people become a little bit more open to listening, listening to the truth of what you need to say, and they become kind of a, a devotee to to your business. I think just being honest and true to uh, what you're doing and what you're selling, um, I think that might might do some good. That's beautiful. You know, they always say if you hear the same thing in different ways in a short period of time, then it's really a message you're supposed to hear. And this authenticity message must be something I'm supposed to hear. We just finished a Main Street Vegan Academy. That's my in-person program in New York City where people train to be vegan lifestyle coaches and educators. And we had uh, teach for us this time for the first time, Doc G, um, Fred Beasley, who heads up Hip Hop is Green here in New York City. And he he gave the students an acronym to remember as they go out and start their businesses and so forth. He said, you've got to be authentic, innovative, and focus on relationships. And he said, you can remember mm. that because it spells air. <laughs> I love that. It's so true. Yeah. And I guess it is like a breath of fresh air. So just in our last couple of minutes, what are you most passionate and excited about right now? Right now, waste. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually looking at a book right now, so maybe that's the first thing that popped to my head. Maybe it's not the best, um, but I'm going to go with it. Waste. I'm reading a book right now called Waste. It's uh, by Tristram Stewart, who talks about the uncovering of global food, the, the global food scandal around the world, um, how much food we're actually wasting. Um, I'm really passionate about food and how we can feed other people and how we can change the food world uh, and create less waste in the world. Well, you're already doing it and I know you're gonna do more. <laughs> when, you, when you talked about the food waste, I remember traveling in Tibet and they believe that dogs are reincarnated monks. They just couldn't quite make it back to monk level. <laughs> so they get to be dogs for a lifetime. So all the restaurants, when they close at night, feed the dogs. And the dogs are there. They know this is the time we're going to the restaurant. And it just seems like there are ways to figure this out and be a lot less wasteful than we are. And with guidance from wonderful people like you, Max Lamana, the book More Plants, Less Waste. And we'll have all of Max's URLs on the show notes. So thank you so much for being with us. And everybody else, stay with us. We're going to go food trucking. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous donations of listeners like you. If you feel inspired by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make your offering today. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Ogan Holder, taken from a talk at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts. Vulnerability is very uncomfortable. But as we know from so many teachings by so many people and from our own experience, the only way we will ever experience true connection is to be vulnerable, to be open. And to say, but what we say to ourselves, but when we're vulnerable, we risk being hurt. Well, you only risk being hurt, again, if you don't get a full understanding of how love works. Nothing and no one can hurt you. Nothing and no one is against you. And everything that happens in your life, as I always say, and I will always say, so if I keep saying it and you keep hearing it and you get tired of me hearing it, I apologize, but everything happens in our life as an opportunity for us to show up as God. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Get your copy of Unity Magazine this month and deepen your spiritual journey. Pastor Nadia Boltzweber talks about the need to make a holy shift. Carolyn Mace gets gutsy with God. Justine Willis-Toms dives into new dimensions, and Alberto Violdo shares an excerpt from his new book, Heart of the Shaman. Subscribe for one year and save $5 off the cover price and get the digital edition free. Go to unitymagazine.org and get a free trial issue today. Did you know Unity has published a new book by Eric Butterworth? This wonderful writer and teacher, who is loved by so many people, left a recorded class called Practical Metaphysics that has now been turned into a book. It's Vintage Butterworth. He explains how to live from a deeper state of consciousness and awaken to health, love, prosperity, and peace of mind. Practical Metaphysics. Find it online by going to unity.org and click shop. Enroll in the Mystery School with Maggie Whitehouse every Monday at 2 p.m. Central. Based in the U.K., Maggie is a maverick priest, comedian, and writer that'll introduce you to all things mystical. Join in the conversation with some fascinating guests and explore topics like Kabbalah, the divine feminine, shamanism, and a lot more. Explore some new ideas and provocative topics, all delivered with a sense of humor. Check out our online schedule or get the podcast on demand here on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. A couple of announcements. Two weeks ago, I talked about wanting to change my closing tagline. This show is about to go into its eighth year. That will happen in June 2019. And you know, they say after seven years, you're supposed to change stuff up. So I have been saying at the end of this program forever, 
God bless you, eat your veggies. And that's been a great thing to say because it acknowledges Unity Online Radio, the radio arm of the Unity Churches, and it also acknowledges what we're about, some of what we're about as vegans. But I'd love to change that. And if you have an idea and want to send that to me, if it gets chosen, then you will get an hour-long Skype or or telephone coaching session with me on any aspect of, of your vegan life or vegan business. I hope I can help out with that. So the ways that you can get that information to me, one is you can join the Main Street podcast listeners group on Facebook. You can do that even if you don't have a new closing line to suggest to me, or you can put your idea there, or you can just be in touch uh, via the contact form at MainStreetVegan.net. Also, you know that I have produced a film, A Prayer for Compassion. We're in theatrical distribution, and that means that between now and September, we want to have as many screenings as possible on nice big screens all over the world, and you can do that at no cost to you. So just um, write to us. You can contact me on that contact uh, page at MainStreetVegan.net and find out how you can host a screening of A Prayer for Compassion in your city, your town. It's a beautiful film to introduce people who identify as religious or spiritual to opening up that compassion to other beings and to the planet. So somebody who has opened up his compassion to young people and athletes and now hungry people on Long Island is my next guest, Matt Korsky. He is a graduate of Main Street Vegan Academy, which makes me proud. And he is now the owner-operator of Green Street, Long Island's first and only vegan and gluten-free food truck. He is also an ultra-endurance athlete. Welcome, Matt. Hi, Victoria. Thanks for having me on. It's wonderful to have you on. I was so excited when I heard that you had the food truck because we've never talked to a food truck person on the show before. And I love it that I actually know you and can vouch for you. So what took you from being a mild-mannered vegan? And I know you've got a family, (laughs) you've got a lot of stuff going on, to jumping into the food truck business. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, You know, it's... I, I kind of can't even find the answer still. Um, so I've been vegan for a little over six years now. And uh, soon after I went vegan, my wife did as well. And uh, we both had this like desire to open some type of vegan cafe in Long Island because at that point there was only one place you could really get any vegan food um, from a menu. And uh, we knew that there was definitely a demand or a growing demand. Um, But neither one of us had any experience in opening a restaurant or operating a restaurant, but we both just had this weird desire that we wanted to do it. Um, And so I just kind of pushed it to the side for a while, but eventually we started to to move forward and and tried to open a few different locations. Um, We found a space, we were about to sign a lease, and then we decided, you know, it just wasn't the right time. And ultimately, last spring, uh, we were on the way back from Philadelphia from a little family road trip. And uh, I had this this like little epiphany that I wanted to do a, a vegan food truck. You know, it's a little bit easier to get into financially. seemed to be a little bit easier just to, to get started as far as maybe buying a used one or getting one built. 
Um, and that was in April. And in July, we, we opened up our doors and started uh, serving food. And uh, it's been pretty amazing so far. We, uh, in March, just got um, voted as one of the top 12 places to eat on Long Island by News 12. Actually finished in, uh, in fourth place. And we were the only food truck on the list and the only uh, vegan and gluten-free restaurant on the list as well. So That's pretty exciting stuff. That, that is exciting. Now, you have a regular job, too, right? You're a teacher. Yeah, I, I work for a, a nonprofit organization, um, Ethical Choices Program. And then I also teach yoga uh, as well. So I do uh, quite a bit of work. And we got three kids at home, two dogs. And I always joke that we have a, a partridge and a pear tree. But we actually just <laughs> have two apple trees and a peach tree. But, um, yeah, it's definitely uh, quite a busy life. Well, I just talked about how we have so much energy as vegans, so you got to put it some somewhere terrific. So talk about food trucks in general. I think some people have probably never seen one. It's a new idea about how to eat. Yeah, so food trucks, I think, are just kind of cool, you know? Like, it's um, it's a fun way to go and grab different food, and usually each truck kind of specializes in something, and the quality of the food that they're putting out is usually much higher because, you know, they're specializing in just a few dishes and not trying to pump out a, a vast uh, variety of different ideas. So they focus on just a few things that, you know, they want to do really good and they can pump it out usually pretty fast. For us, when someone orders, literally it takes us less than two minutes from the time that they finish ordering before they actually get their food. So it's also really nice for someone that's kind of in a rush. They can come up, grab a, a quick bite that's, you know, for us, it's, it's healthy. It's, it's mindful of people's allergies um, and their decisions to not eat meat or animal products. Um, and it's just a, a fun way that you can serve food. You know, we can go anywhere we want to, essentially. So coming up this weekend, we have a, a communion that we're doing. Uh, a couple of weddings this summer, some graduation parties. So for me personally, I like being able to go and park in different uh, venues and, and serve food and meet new people and just get to uh, give people in different areas, you know, opportunity to grab, you know, some good quality vegan and gluten-free food. So do you have to get permits? Do you park in specific places or can you just pull up anywhere and start selling vegan food <laughs> i wish i wish i could just pull up anywhere that would be uh that'd make life so much easier no you actually you need quite a bit of permits um i'm not sure how it is in other states or other counties but specifically for nasa county uh i had to get uh, a nasa county health department permit so i had to go through the food training uh course to learn how to properly prepare food and in a safe way. Um, and then from there, you need to get permitted for that actual area where you want to sell. So currently we have a permit for the town of Oyster Bay and the town of Hempstead. So within there, I can go anywhere within those two towns and sell food. Uh, I'm working on getting a permit for Suffolk County. And then within that, uh, a few other towns within Suffolk County. Um, but there's also a few other restrictions. You know, we can't park right in front of schools and, you know, in front of other restaurants. But beyond that, like, we have 
pretty open availability to, to go where we want to. Um, so do you or your wife have culinary training? No, my uh, my training is all in education. Um, I went to school to be a, a health and physics teacher, which I did for 13 years. Um, my wife is a, is a high school guidance counselor in Queens. Um, but the flavor that you get is unbelievable. As soon as we started to offer that, it became one of the most popular things that people order. So you've named these towns on Long Island that I'm not real familiar with Long Island, but I think of it as being a kind of beach destination and places where people go for recreation, especially in the warm weather. So is that where you do the most business or how do you find wh where's the right place to park? Yeah, good question. So last year when we started, we were pretty fortunate that we got invited to do a lot of different events. Uh, including the Warp Tour at Jones Beach, which was our, our second weekend that we were open. Uh, but beyond that, I really didn't know exactly where we would go to park our truck, like on a regular basis. But I just kind of let it be as, you know, it would work its way out um, and I would, it would find the destinations. And what's come to be is that a lot of yoga studios have reached out to me about parking out their studio in the lot or, or in the other studio which has really worked perfectly because people that typically are practicing yoga are generally a little bit more open-minded about their food choices and might be vegetarian or vegan, so would likely be more uh, apt to come and get food from our truck. Um, but we also participated in a bunch of local events here on Long Island. Um, every Friday night in the fall and the winter, they were doing a, a food truck Friday, actually, which is uh, just a couple blocks away from where I live, which is super convenient. Uh, and that was, I think, really good exposure for us. And I think not only besides us, I think it was really good exposure for the Long Island community of getting to try vegan food. Um, and once they did, they just keep coming back. Um, one of my favorite stories, uh, I was parked outside of a yoga studio and this guy pulls up in his pickup truck uh, and had his dog in the front seat. And uh, I immediately judged them, like, be completely honest. I was like, this guy thinks I'm a hot dog truck. He's going to come up. He's going to look for some type of meat sandwich. He's going to walk away. Uh, but he came up, and, and he had told me that his wife had told him about the truck. She tried to get him to go vegan for a little while, but he just could never kind of uh, jump on board with it. He was never full, and he was always used in the bathroom and all these other problems that he was having. Um, but she convinced them that he needed to come and try our food. So he did. He had our chili. He had some of our nachos. And immediately he said he was blown away. He was like, couldn't believe how good the food was. And he's become a regular customer. He comes almost every week and grabs some food. You know, he always tells me, you know, he's not vegan, but he certainly likes vegan food now, uh, which for me was pretty much the whole idea of, of starting the food truck or might even beginning with having a cafe just allowing people to have more opportunities to experience vegan food and to really change their minds about what it is and how good it can be what a great story i love it when i think a lot of us tend to sort of judge people on site 
And it's like, oh, hi, I'm sure you're a fine person, but I'm not going to really talk to you about veganism because I can just tell you're not interested. We don't know who's interested. Yeah. And yeah, and I, I get humbled uh, quite a bit <laughs> when somebody surprises me. So for somebody who might be thinking about doing this or thinking about a restaurant, what are the pros and cons? Like, Is it cheaper to do a food truck or since you'd just be renting a restaurant space, but probably having to buy a truck is the initial financial outlay more? How does that work? Yeah. So for us, the financial constraints of opening a, a cafe or like a brick and mortar were just a little bit too much for us that we wanted to, or that we even wanted to really um, invest in right now, especially seeing how most restaurants don't, don't survive more than a couple of years. So we figured a food truck would be a little bit more financially responsible. Um, and it's not too bad. I mean, we all in, there was about, 65 to 70,000 to get started with purchasing the food truck and all the equipment and getting the logos and, and the truck wrap and, and all that stuff. So it's definitely still quite a bit of money to, to lay down, um, but it opens the doors as far as like being more flexible. For me, I've got three kids at home. I've got two dogs and my kids are all under the age of 10. So I didn't really want that full commitment i think of having a full restaurant that i'd have to be open you know six to seven days a week whereas with this i can make my own schedule i can have it be a little bit more flexible so if my kids have some school events i can not go out that day and i can go and see my kids and get to watch them grow up which is something that was uh, a must-have for me you know when we Got started. My wife and I, my wife and I, had a lot of serious conversations about what it would look like as far as our time commitment and our schedule and what we are willing to invest, um, not just money-wise, but of ourselves and for our kids. And we agreed. You know, having a food truck is probably going to be much more um, feasible to fit our family's demands and needs. It sounds wonderful because you always hear from people who grew up in restaurants and they have great stories, but you also get the stories that either they were working at the restaurant all the time or they didn't see their parents very much. So it does sound like um, you've got a, a great business for a guy with a family. So what advice would you offer somebody else who might be thinking about this? Yeah, I would go out and I would speak to other people. Uh, I have a lot of people that come up to me at the truck and they ask me questions about how they could get started, um, or I get emails and phone calls quite a bit. So I would go up and talk to other local food truckers and, and get their, um, pick their brain about the things they've had troubles with. So whether it's how long it takes to, to have the truck built or how much it's actually going to cost or, you know, some of the, the local issues that they might be experiencing with the county or the state and some other constraints that they might not be thinking about that do come into play. I mean, for me, honestly, it was it was a pretty smooth process. From the time that we committed to, to doing it, it only took about two and a half months before we actually picked up the truck, had it in our driveway. And then from there, it was all just paperwork of getting the proper permits and making sure everything was, was lined up properly. And then you know, they were literally the end of April, 
by mid-July, we were serving food. Whereas a lot of people, I think, with a restaurant, if you open a brick and mortar, it might take six months to a year before you actually open when you're building something out and you have to go with the, the time schedule of the builder if he's doing other things. So I think for me, a food truck is much easier to get started. Uh, and it's a lot less hassle because it's simple as far as getting the food handler certificate so you're serving food properly and safely and then just getting the local permits. And then after that, you're, you're ready to go pretty much. That's so cool. I took that online food handlers course once and I just remembered that if there was ever a question that I wasn't sure of the answer, I just said chicken because it seemed like the thing that would cause whatever kind of bacterial contamination it might be, it was probably going to be chicken. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny because when he uh, applied for our, our local permits for the, the health department and they went through a menu, they were like, so you don't have any meat? I'm like, nope, we don't serve any meat. We're vegan. Like, but you eat up milk or eggs or cheese? I'm like, no, vegan <laughs> means no animal products whatsoever. Like, oh, well, then you're good. You don't really have to worry about a lot of stuff. You don't have to worry about any of the contamination from the the meat, the, and I'm like, no, we're just serving vegetables and fruit pretty much. We're, we're pretty much good to go. So I think that aspect as well has made it tremendously easier um, because literally it's just a bunch of fruits and vegetables. That turned into things like chili and what kind of fries did you say? Jamaican? Uh, the chili cheese fries and our Vietnamese fries. Vietnamese yeah. also, fries. We do a lot of different tacos, so uh -huh. we have like barbecue jackfruit tacos and plantain tacos. Um, we've done a lot of experimenting this year with different menu items to see what people would like and what they didn't like, which I think is also a convenient thing with the food truck is that you can, at least for me, the way I operate it, I, I think there's a lot more flexibility in, in having different specials and, and trying some things out and just being able to change the menu pretty quickly if you wanted to. Sure. Uh, so yeah. you mentioned jackfruit, and I think a lot of people haven't tried it. What is it? How do you fix it? And what does it taste like? Yeah, so the, the jackfruit that we use comes in a can. Uh, you can buy it in the store, usually in like um, like an Asian supermarket or uh, Long Island, there's a lot of um, like Indian supermarkets where you can buy a fresh jackfruit. Uh, and it looks like I always describe it as like a supersized watermelon that's green and spiky. It's kind of intimidating to look at uh, fresh, but when it's properly prepared the way that we do it, actually tastes very similar to like a, a pulled pork. Uh, so when people try our, our jackfruit tacos, our, our latest creation was our, our mac and jack taco. So it's vegan mm. mac and cheese topped with our barbecue jackfruit uh, in tacos. And I'm gonna say it's pretty good. But when people try it, they're they're kind of blown away that it tastes so similar to like a pulled pork. Uh, it has a similar taste and texture. And even last night, I purchased some um, some jackfruit crab cakes from Trader Joe's, which I can tell you were pretty amazing. So now I have to figure out how I can make that for the food truck. Um, so that's uh, the next on my agenda. 
No, it sounds like it's a a business that sparks creativity every day. So in just our last few minutes here, Matt, another aspect of your very busy and multifaceted life is is being an ultra-endurance athlete. So first, define that. Just athlete impresses me. Endurance impresses me more. You put on ultra, and I just kind of stop. Yeah, I hear you. So um, so I've done uh, a few ultra-different ultra distance marathon. So an ultra distance marathon would be anything beyond the marathon. So beyond 26.2. So I've done a, a 50 mile ultra marathon of the, the New York City 60K uh, and a few other smaller ultra distance uh, events like some half Ironmans. And I, I did a full Ironman, uh, which was actually was the catalyst for me going vegan. Um, I had done a handful of half Ironmans, but I wanted to really test my limits and go for the full. And when I was researching on how to train for a full Ironman, I'd come across a few different vegan athletes like Rich Roll and and Brandon Brazier. And I was kind of blown away that they were vegan and they were performing at such high levels, which really intrigued me. So I started to learn a little bit more about it. And after I read the China study, I... I had no other reasons uh, to to eat meat, and I wanted to just give this this vegan diet diet a go. So um, that was kind of my my entry point into to veganism. And since then, as an athlete, I think it's really helped to fuel my performance and my recovery uh, in a positive way. That is really exciting. So, do you find that your diet needs to be very different from the average vegans to to fuel these ultra marathons? Um, well, I try to eat as much whole foods as possible. So I like to do a bunch of smoothies kind of, uh, when I'm on the go, I like to consume a lot of sweet potatoes and kale and beans. But I mean, honestly, I just try to eat as many different fruits and vegetable, uh, fruits and vegetables as possible just to get as many different nutrients in. Um, I do when I am into some serious training, I will add in some extra, kind of protein powders, more like a a spirulina or like a maca powder or moringa, something like that. But in general, I try to just eat as many whole foods as possible and uh, let my body do what it's meant to do. That's pretty cool. (laughs) So in addition to being a hyper energy lifestyle, this is kind of an easygoing lifestyle too. You can know that you can just let your body do what it's supposed to do. Yes. So in our last minute, um, final words of wisdom for anybody who wants to do anything remarkable, start a business, run a marathon. What can you tell us? I would say just listen to your heart. I mean, for me, when I, uh, when I started with the veganism, it just changed me inside and out. And that was, uh, what inspired me to leave my, my teaching career. And, and the things that, that make me happy is what I want to pursue because, you know, we all, uh, have a lot of opportunities to, to do different things in life, but I wanted to live a life that I enjoyed. Um, and I would say for the most, before I was vegan, it wasn't really happening. But now that I have been vegan, I'm living a life that I'm, I'm very happy with, that I, I wake up excited to do. Oh, I'm so excited about that for you. And nobody deserves it more. Thanks so much to both of our guests and also to Unity Online Radio. God bless you. Eat your veggies.
Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.